and again with the remote working opportunities, right? It's you don't have to be located somewhere on the coast in order to get what you need to get done. So I think Minnesota is a great place, and I think there's a lot of potential for biotech here. The Medical Alley Podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. For over 20 years, the healthcare industry's largest companies have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision while designing and developing innovative digital products. Whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. The global team takes a personalized and in-depth approach to deliver secure solutions in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer state-of-the-art care through technology. Trusted guidance, global expertise, secure integration. MentorMate delivers digital transformation at scale. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. We have what I think is our first repeat guest today. I'm so pleased to be joined by Medical Alley board member and uh, founder and former president and CEO of Rebiotics, Lee Jones. Lee, thanks for being on again. Well, thanks for inviting me, Frank. Yeah. Uh, This is a really fun time to have the conversation because we've got to see this evolution of a company and in parallel evolution of the biotech industry in the state over the last 10 years. I think where I want to start for the audience is go back in time a bit. And can you tell us about what what is Rebiotics and how this whole thing gets started? So Rebiotics is a company that's developed a new type of therapeutic based on live human microbes. When I founded the company back in 2011, um, I looked at the human microbiome and really believed that it was a way to change medicine in the future and got so excited about it that I started a company. Uh, The company was founded um, based on, again, that principle of harnessing the power of the human microbiome. And at the time, I was working uh, as a volunteer at the University of Minnesota and met some scientists that were interested in this technology and then took it from there and built it uh, into a company. Oh, that's pretty cool. And maybe just a quick reminder for the group, what, when we say microbiome, what are, what are we talking about? Well, there's trillions of microorganisms that live in and on us that work together in concert to keep us healthy. And when those uh, microbes get out of balance, um, we can be susceptible to disease. The largest repository of those microbes in a human is in the intestinal tract. So our first focus was looking at a gastrointestinal disease and, and how to cure that. Oh, very cool. And your background is, is not exactly traditional like biotech startup, right? Like what had your career been before going into starting Rebiotics? Yeah, that's a good question because um, if you'd asked me, you know, 12 years ago, <laughs> right. been involved in anything in biology, I probably would have said no. Uh, but what happened is I was the chief administrative officer of the Schultz Diabetes Institute mm-hmm. at the University of Minnesota. And as part of that job, became involved in cell therapies and stem oh, yeah. cell transformations, et cetera. 
And I got so excited about biology. I really believed that that was going to be the next wave of medicine. But my whole career had been in devices. So I didn't have any biology background. I didn't know how to go from uh, a device person to a, a bio, biology person. Right. And uh, that opportunity presented itself when I learned about the microbiome. Because I really thought there was a precedent procedure called fecal transplants where mm. you took uh, fresh fecal material from one human, a healthy human, and put it into the intestinal tract of a sick person to cure their disease. Right. And while I thought that was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard, it captured my imagination because mm-hmm. here was an opportunity to really help somebody help themselves. Um, so we don't treat the disease, we actually treat the person who then takes care of their own disease. Right. So as I looked at that, I thought, well, I don't have any biology background, but this is a logistical problem. How do I, <laughs> how do I get this material from one place to another and package it and preserve it? I knew how to do all that stuff. So took off from there, uh, had found some partners who were also interested in this space. Uh, we funded the company and, and hired the scientists and away we went. Right on. I I love that reframing of it as a logistical problem and not letting, hey, it's a biotech company become a barrier to advancing therapy. I think along the way, you you took advantage of, your team took advantage of a lot of the resources that existed or have developed in this startup ecosystem. And one that I think always struck me was you were a judge in the Minnesota Cup for many years, well, and then coach, you went actually. through it, or yeah. in a coach, yeah. And then you, you actually participated in the Minnesota Cup. I think a lot of times companies might think like, oh, if I'm an experienced business person, and entrepreneur, maybe that's not for me, but you found it beneficial. Well, it's, it's a funny story behind that because I had been a coach uh, mm. for the Minnesota Cup for many years, and then when I started Rebiotics, I realized that the Minnesota Cup had a great application form. It forced yeah. you to create your business plan and like 400 words in marketing or less, et cetera. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, I'm going to use that format because I need to put this together for myself. And when I finished the application, I thought, wow, I finished the application. Maybe I'll just turn it in. <laughs> and so I really hadn't anticipated participating in the Minnesota Cup as a, as a contendee, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But what I found was that that application – Going through that process really helped me kind of come into the future because it had been a long time since I had started a company and, and done work like that. And right. so I needed a new vocabulary. I needed to understand what was going on. I got new coaching and um, learned a bunch of things. So I became, I was a finalist in my division. I did not win. <laughs> and uh, But the process of going through the Minnesota Cup, the application right. and stuff was really beneficial to me and my company. And so I recommend that to anybody in, in the area who wants to start a business, because even if they go through the step of filling out the application, that's a huge step in kind of creating the vision for your company. Right on. Yeah. I mean, it, having worked with the folks at the Minnesota Cup for many years now, I've always been impressed by the caliber of people who volunteer to help, the caliber of companies that go through it. And what you just described, I've heard from others that even if they have been there, done this before, that outside perspective, the additional help, it, it sharpens the axe as you go through the process. Absolutely. It was, it was really valuable. And, and the funny part about it was, is as I was making my final pitch, 
uh, there was a, a VC from Canada who stood up and started challenging me on every aspect of the business. <laughs> but but I had already raised $3 million by that time. Ah. So, you know, in the process of going through the Minnesota Cup, I had gone out to the network and had, had uh, raised funding. So I wasn't too concerned about the message that I was going to deliver to raise money for this company. Probably help be relaxed in the process, <laughs> right? It was, yeah. it was good. This episode of the Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by Gamut One Studios. Gamut One Studios is a full-service photography and videography studio in the Twin Cities, made up of a talented team of creative professionals. Gamut One Studios has extensive experience in the medical, health, and pharma industries, and for decades has been working with companies of all sizes to produce their visual projects. So if you're looking to refresh your website or elevate your marketing materials with new product photos, headshots, or corporate videos, Check out their work at gamutonestudios.com. When you mentioned the the capital raise, I mean, when I think back to, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, that was a tough time to raise capital. And to be fair to all the entrepreneurs out there, it is always a tough time to raise capital. That is a hard job. And you were raising capital for a, a biotech startup in a new area of medicine in a community that until recently, maybe hasn't been considered a, a biotech hub. I, I'm curious, what was that like, and what did you do to help manage that process or maybe make it a bit easier? So I, I was fortunate because I had uh, ran and sold a prior company, uh-huh. and a lot of the investors in that company had said, if you ever start another company, call me, because mm-hmm. I'd be interested in uh, participating. So that group actually funded the majority of the uh-huh. company. But I think the twist in this story is at the time, the Minnesota Angel um, tax credit was funded. Right. And so I was fortunate to be able to take advantage of that. At the time, if you had raised under $10 million, you had the opportunity to have your investors receive a credit back for 25% of their mm-hmm. investment, up to a total of a million dollars across the company. So we did something a little bit unique. We needed the money, and we asked our investors that if you invest in us, we expect you to apply for this tax credit and reinvest that tax credit back ah. into rebiotics because essentially then, you know, for a $100,000 investment, they'd get $125,000 worth of stock. So they all Very followed cool. through on that. And as a result, our company ended up raising the full additional million dollars that we qualified for. In oh. fact, I was I got the last dollar <laughs> that year from that angel tax credit. But it made a huge difference because that million dollars added to what we had already raised was enough to be able to get us through our first clinical trial. Oh, and wow. had we not had that, we may not have gotten to that milestone. Right. So that money in that angel tax credit program was incredibly important to us as a startup company. Yeah. And, and listeners out there, I, I think you know that is a top issue on Medical Alley's agenda. We're recording this the day after the elections, and our government affairs team is already hard at work preparing for the next legislative session. And I, I think you should all take from what Lee just shared. That's a really creative idea of if your investors put 100000 in, get the credit, and then put the credit back in the company, the company can be more capitalized without it necessarily costing your investors more capital. Great way to extend the runway and leverage what might be limited capital. Thanks for sharing that. So, you know, my message here in all of this was that I've been fortunate to be here in Minnesota in the startup community Mm -hmm. um, because of all the resources 
that that I was able to take advantage right. of. And and uh, like you said, Frank, we were an odd duck because <laughs> we were starting a biotech company in Minnesota, which was it was not known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I gave a presentation in one of the one of my conferences, and mm-hmm. I drew a map and I said. You know, here's San Francisco and here's Boston, and I drew a line from one <laughs> to the other and said, "Here's where Minnesota is." In case you don't know, because everybody kept saying, "Why are you in Minnesota?" That's ridiculous. Uh, and at the time, it was tough to find mm-hmm. talent because most of the Minnesota drug company drug companies had been sold. Employees yep. that had been here were either working remotely or had gone into different industries. Yeah. Um, so I ended up having to do a lot of recruiting outside of the state. So we were one of the first ah. companies to hire people to work remotely. Like my regulatory person was in California. Yeah. My chief scientific officer was in Connecticut. Uh, and so and that worked out for us. Yeah. Uh, so I'm happy now to see that this community, and, and thanks a lot to the efforts of Medical Alley and this Medical Alley Starts, has really transformed from mm. the desert that I was in yeah. <laughs> 11 years ago to having a talent pool and funding and recognition for biotech here in Minnesota. Right on. And I, I got to ask, because, yeah, you you all were early in this. What was it like managing a remote team and making that work, especially as a, a small startup? We know lots of companies are doing that today. And we get lots of calls where leaders are saying, hey, I, I'm not quite sure how to build culture, bring the team together, be a leader in this distributed environment. Yeah, and for me, that was perfect because mm. my prior company, I had done something similar where I had outsourced the manufacturing. Um, I had different people involved. So our staff at our corporate headquarters was very small. Mm-hmm. And we did that to keep our costs down. So I was familiar with that type of model, and it gave me um, a really good opportunity to find talent other places. The tricky part was finding somebody who could work remotely. Yo, Not everybody can. right. But I was fortunate to find really good people that were willing, you know, to travel maybe once a month to our headquarters. Otherwise, they themselves uh, mm-hmm. picked up the phone and made, made it as if it was transparent that they were out of town. So mm-hmm. that worked great for us. We kept our footprint relatively small yeah. uh, and our costs relatively light. So it got us a, a long way and a very right. little amount of money. And that's that's a really good point about hiring people who want to and are capable of working in that fashion. I, I have some friends who they like working in the office and having the team around. That works for them. I know others where they're really comfortable being on the road or they're self-motivated, high initiative. Like They're going to drive themselves regardless of the office. Yeah, that's probably a characteristic we have to look for differently in this hiring environment than maybe we did in the past. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. That makes a big difference. Yeah. But for us, that was the only way we could find the talent we needed right. to take our, our product forward and our company forward. Right. And it, and I got to say, like, I'm hearing a theme in here of, you know, at, at each roadblock, finding creative ways to address them and taking advantage of the resources that were in the community. You've been active not just in taking advantage of them, though, but also of contributing to building and creating a better ecosystem for the next generation of entrepreneurs. And I think of your work as a board member, helping and getting Medical Alley starts going. How do you think about that part of your work of being involved in things like the Minnesota Cup or Medical Alley and supporting the rest of the ecosystem? Well, that's something that really excites me mm. because I feel like 
you know, I've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations <laughs> right through on. my career, changing from medical device to biotech or academia in between, um, being a female leader mm-hmm. in the, the medical arena has been challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, raising money has been challenging. I really appreciate having the opportunity to help people with my experience. Right. Because if I can short circuit one step of what they do, mm-hmm. that's a that's a big thing for me and hopefully a big thing for them. So I often take calls uh, from people that unsolicited in some cases, they get a hold of me on LinkedIn or they're recommended by friends or other people because I'm really curious about what they do. And sometimes mm-hmm. I can connect them like you do, Frank, right to someone who can help them or give them a piece of advice that maybe that they hadn't thought about that really could help them in their progress of their company. Right on. And I, I got to say to everyone listening to this, That is the thing. If I could ask everyone in this ecosystem to do just one thing, it'd be that. Take a call. Take a meeting. If everyone in this community does that even once a year, it would transform the entire ecosystem. You think of a half million people that are in healthcare and health technology here. If we all take that one step, we don't have to do a ton, but even just that one, the impact is tremendous, as we've seen with so many companies around town. Maybe as we're coming towards the end here, one of the things I want to ask about is, you know, when you started the company, biotech, as you described, it was kind of a desert. Today, we're not Boston, Cambridge, but it's been growing. There are more companies. There are people doing this. What do you think about the future of biotechnology? Let's say as an industry in general, do you still see that potential there? And what do you think about the opportunity for biotech right here in Medical Alley? Yeah, so to answer your first question about whether I'm still enthusiastic about it, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I truly believe that the biological products are going to change the way we think about the world. Mm -hmm. And those are, I mean, look at the whole cancer arena and and some of the gene therapies that have come up in the last 10 years. It's been amazing. So, yes, I think that's a, a driving force. I think what I, what I appreciate about Minnesota is the community is relatively small. Um, people are willing to help each other. There's been a lot of technology advancements. The University of Minnesota has mm-hmm. gotten um, a grant for doing biological product manufacturing. Oh, yeah, to become right. a manufacturing hub here. I think that's going to be incredibly important because when I looked at myself and looking around the world and who could right. help me, there wasn't many people there. And I th- so I think that's going to be a critical mm-hmm. um component of how we grow here. Uh, I think people are excited. They're sharing. There's more research going on. Uh, leaders that have come up that mm-hmm. right, that are now taking on more companies. So I, I think this is a great place to be. And I, and again, with the remote working opportunities, right? It's you don't have to be located somewhere on the coast in order to get what you need to get done. So I think Minnesota is a great place. And I think there's a lot of potential for biotech here. Right on. Well, I think that is a, a great spot to wrap it up and say, Lee, thank you for being our first repeat guest and for sharing a bit of your story and the work to help build biotech right here in Medical Alley. Yeah, great. Thanks, Frank. I mm-hmm. really appreciate being invited to come back. Thank you. And folks, that's another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure to check out medicalalleypodcast.org or you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast fixed. And hey, if you do me one small favor, make sure you share this podcast with others in the community, help spread the word, help share the stories of this incredible ecosystem. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. <laughs>